All right, and welcome back to Dynasty Kings. We are on episode nine. I am Luke, and Roly Poly Oli is Kyle. And today we are going to be talking about my favorite form of fantasy football format, and that's IDP or individual defensive players. You know, IDP is a super interesting concept. I think that being able to draft specific defensive players rather than drafting a full defensive team is so much more interesting because those defensive players can essentially make or break your season if you don't take drafting defensive players seriously. So we're going to talk D-linemen first. So Kyle, why don't you get us started? Because I know you're really hot and heavy on a couple of these white lanky DNs. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be my favorite type of DN for some reason. Um, yeah, we're excited to cover IDP. I know it's a rare opportunity for us. And we're going to highlight some guys that might not be uh, the number ones at their position or anything like that, because we don't want to say anybody you obviously already know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I'm not going to talk about somebody who's, who's a big name. Um, so the first guy we're going to talk about is Max Crosby. Um, let's start by saying this. The Raiders got fucking lucky with Max Crosby. Let's just be frank about that. Uh, they got him in the fourth round, and a lot of people viewed him as a project last year. Um, he was expected to go actually in the sixth round, maybe even the seventh. So they, in theory, reached on him, but I don't think they care about that at this point uh, because, you know, he ended up being a way better player than Farrell was in his first season. And who knows, maybe Farrell will take the next step next season and they could become a very good defensive end duo. Uh, but 6'5", 255, tall and lengthy white dude, as Luke said. 10 sacks his first season, man. This is a solid DN2 with DN1 upside this season. Yeah, you know, he did really, really well. And not to mention, he only started 10 games out of the whole season. Yep, 10 games is, and 10 sacks, which is, you can't ask for more than that. Like, and, 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 you know, a big thing is with defensive ends as well that needs to be talked about is not just sacks, but what you do once you get into the backfield. He also had 16 tackles for losses and 14 quarterback hits. So this guy was applying a lot of pressure onto opposing quarterbacks. I think when I first saw him, I honestly thought he was so skinny he could be the scarecrow from uh the Wizard of Oz. Honestly, <laughs> I thought one big uh one big gust of wind would take this kid flying, but you know, apparently in today's NFL you just don't need muscle anymore. I I think he's super interesting. I think that because of how long his arms are that he gets good separation from opposing offensive tackles. And I think because of IDP being so strange and it being for defense alignment, especially it's so sack reliant. I think that uh, Max Crosby, if you're looking to start young and keep contending, he's like your go to guy to get. Yeah, he's definitely one of the first guys I target now. Yeah. So, you know, let's keep it with the lanky lankiness and last year's draft. So my guy I really want to highlight is Brian Burns. You know, this kid had a super promising rookie year, and it only looks like he's going to get better with the D-line talent that the Panthers have drafted around him with Derek Brown and Gross Matos. The kid's six foot five, 250 pounds, basically built like Max Crosby. A little bit more muscular, though. I think Burns is built to play the modern edge rusher with super long arms and explosive speed because the guy ran a 4.5340, which is the same time as a guy like Clowney. 
if he he played in all 16 games last season, but he only started five of those games and still put up seven and a half sacks, which is good for third on the team, only behind veterans Bruce Irvin and Mario Addison. I think with Irvin and Addison gone, Burns automatically becomes the best defensive end on the line, maybe even the best defensive lineman. And I think he starts the season as a high defensive end three with a super high ceiling that I'm not sure I can project, but I would assume in a one-season glance, it would be a super high defensive two upside. Yeah. Brian Burns is the type of guy because he didn't start as much as I was expecting his rookie season. And I think that had to do with Rivera. Rivera is a big guy who believed in veterans. Like, you know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. he likes to make the young guys wait a little bit. And we've seen that in the past. And now there's a new regime in Carolina. So that's obviously going to help him that, that clearly vitalizes our, um, it clearly uh, cares about the defensive line position because of everything that they brought in. But like Brian Burns is the type of guy that if he had like seven and a half to 10 sacks, I wouldn't be surprised. But if he cracked 15 this year, I wouldn't be surprised either. I have no idea what to tell you about the guy. It depends how well Derek Brown and Gross Matos come in and instantly make an impact. Yeah, I mean, like, and you got to remember, too, Kwame Short is still on that defensive line. Yeah, uh, it's a good unit, man. Honestly, they could use linebacker help, but that's about it. Yeah, you know, it's going to be super interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how they deploy all this talent that they have at their possession now. And I think the only way I think I, I think I'm going to make this take right now. I think in three years, we're going to be talking about Carolina's defensive line as one of the best units in all of football. Yeah, I don't even think that's a crazy take. Um, it's funny you mentioned Mario Addison. He's a Bills now. I actually love his addition to the Bills team. Nice veteran presence for us. But we'll move on. I don't want to cover my Bills too long. Uh, this next guy might be the only good member on his defensive line. There's some aging veterans around him, but they haven't really been the same in recent years, and that's Sam Hubbard. Man, Sam Hubbard. What can I say about the guy? I think he's quickly becoming a rising star in the NFL, as most people know. Uh, He's becoming one of the best defensive ends in the league. Not only is he uh, good with getting sacks, but he's also a tackle machine and a run stuffer. He's a little bigger than Brian Burns and Max Crosby. He's got a lot more meat on the bone, so he doesn't necessarily have the break line speed that those guys have. But in my opinion, he's a much better tackler and much better in between uh, the chains, you know, like with people coming up the middle. And that's what kind of separates him from them. Um, They added some good talent to go along with him. Logan Wilson, I think, was the highlight of their draft as far as the defensive side of the ball goes. Uh, He should be a nice addition to the linebacker core. He's a dude. He's a defensive end one. Uh, that you could probably get still for relatively cheap compared to what he can put up on the board. And he's a must-buy. And if you don't get him this season, this is it. Yeah, you know, it's super interesting because I think Sam Hubbard has had the best teachers to learn from because he's playing on a defensive line with Carlos Dunlap and and now I'm drawing up Gino Atkins. Thank you, Gino Atkins. So he's playing on a defensive line with two of the best guys in the last decade. To play the to play on the line, you know. So he uh, he's had some of the best teachers to show him the ropes, and I think it's really starting to show. He he almost doubled his uh, no, he almost tripled his combined tackles on the year. Went from thirty nine in his rookie year to seventy six in his sophomore year. You know, I think he's got the potential to be great. I think, like you said, if he got a little bit faster coming off the edge, he could be 
top, top tier, not only in fantasy, but in real life. But I really like Sam Hubbard. There's no competition on that defensive line. So I don't see how he doesn't succeed almost immediately. Well, yeah, that's the big deal. He'll definitely retain his numbers at the very least. And he was a top five DN last year. It's a shame. I would love to have seen a Hubbard in his prime right now with the Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap five years ago. Like, I just think that we could be talking about the Bengals as one of the best defensive units if that was the case. They're just, they're aging. It's not their fault. They're getting old and they're getting up there. They're both, I think, over the 30 uh, marker at this point. So I think they probably have another year or two in the tank. Probably, probably. But let's keep it in conference. The last guy I want to talk about, I want to show some love to the big boys. Let's talk Larry Unkenjobi. I think in IDP formats, a lot of people talk about the big three defensive tackles in Donald, Chris Jones, and DeForest Buckner. But Larry has been one of the most steady DTs in the league in the last two years. Not only does he clog holes in the run game, but he's also a proven pass rusher with five and a half sacks in each of his last seasons. At six foot three, 305 pounds, and only 25 years old, Larry is built like a shit brick house and has pr- plenty of production left in the tank as long as he doesn't get suspended again like he did during Garrett versus Rudolph. He immediately starts the season as a defensive tackle too just because of the lack of quality currently at the position. But the guy is super steady. In the last two seasons, he's put up 50 tackles each, five and a half sacks each, and 10 and 10 tackles for a loss each. Oh my God, that hurt my brain trying to say it. <laughs> yeah, consistency is the key with Larry, man. At the end of the day, you know what you're getting. I don't think he's ever going to be the type of guy to put up 15 sacks or something like that. But, you know, if you get one of maybe the big guys first, like a Donald or Jones or Buckner, who I love getting this year, um, I think he'd be a great D, uh, DT too. And you'd have one of the best combos in the league, hands down. Yeah, I own I own in one league that we're in, I own Larry and I own Chris Jones. And it's just like gangbusters. It's gangbusters. Yeah, great combo. All right, so we just highlighted the boys in the trenches. Always got to show love to the big boys who don't get enough love. When we come back, we're going to talk linebackers. These are the guys who get all the girls. These are the guys who get laid. These are the guys who get paid. So make sure you stick around. Welcome back. Let's just jump into it. We are talking linebackers now. This is Kyle and I's third attempt to get this to work, whether it's audio issues or Wi-Fi issues. I think this one will finally be the king. So <laughs> let's just get started. Uh, I'm going to start us off. and We're going to talk about Shaq Thompson. I feel like this guy has been in the league forever, but he's actually only 26. You know, and as Kyle says, opportunity is king in the NFL. And I don't think anybody on the defensive side of the ball took advantage of that, like Shaq Thompson after Thomas Davis left in free agency. With Keekley having retired now too, Thompson has been gifted another opportunity in a super unfortunate circumstance to step into the spotlight as the best linebacker on the team. Thompson has only improved every season he's played, and if he can stay healthy, he should easily be a linebacker too on the team with a chance to solidify himself as one of the best in the league if his upward trajectory continues. And to put into example just how upward his trajectory is, here are his tackles from 2015 when he came into the league to 2019 last year. 50, 55, 61, 80, 109. I think the sky's the limit. This guy's got it all. 
and he's at such a young prime age. There's no telling what he can do. Yeah, he's for sure entering his prime right now. And we talk about opportunities, King, but in this situation, it's more so about them not bringing in competition for Shaq Thompson, which might help his fantasy numbers even more. Uh, when they were up in the first round, I was shocked they didn't take Isaiah Simmons. I know Derek Brown's a great pick, don't get me wrong, but I think they needed a linebacker help. And it felt like a perfect opportunity to instantly uh, replace Luke Keekley, like in a second, you know what I mean? But... I guess they really believe in Shaq Thompson. I think he's going to be consistent this season. He's going to have minimum repeat his numbers from 2019. If he could stay a little more healthy and a little more active, I wouldn't be surprised if he broke 120. I wonder if they value Tahir Whitehead, who they signed in the in the in free agency, a lot more than what people expect. Maybe that's why they didn't bring in a linebacker. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, it's. It's tough because to to hear Whitehead is somebody we don't really think about, but he's a solid player. You know what I mean? And I feel like he's been in the league forever. Like, I don't even know how many homes he's had at this point. It feels like so many. And I definitely think he's a good tackler. And if he's going to play second fiddle to Shaq, I think maybe they feel comfortable and maybe they can get uh, something next year. You know what I mean? They could always take a linebacker next year. Derek Brown is a crazy good talent on the D-line, and sometimes you can't pass that up. Maybe, yeah. I actually just pulled up to hear Whitehead's profile because I was curious on how many teams he's played for. So he came in the league in 2012. From 2012 to 2017, played for the Lions. Then he played for the Raiders, and then he played for the Panthers. Oh, okay. I thought it was more than that. No, no, I'm actually kind of surprised that he hasn't played for more team. I always think of him as more of a journeyman, if I got to be honest. Yeah, I think he's just kind of gone into an afterthought in my mind because I don't really look for guys that that are that old at this point. You know what I mean? As far as the linebacker position goes, like the guys I love, and that's a perfect segue into my first guy, uh, like Jerome Baker, uh, 23-year-old linebacker for the Miami Dolphins, was easily the best player on that defense last season. Uh, He was definitely a standout and otherwise pretty subpar defensive unit. Uh, The addition of Van Noy to that linebacker group should help propel Baker's game even further to the next level. A nice veteran presence always goes a long way, and Van Noy doesn't play the same game as Baker, so nobody should be worried about him losing out on anything. Uh, He's got a great lengthy body with great speed and vision, and he's a perfect tackler. I mean, obviously people miss sometimes, but uh, he He's got great tackling for him. Uh, He's a linebacker two at minimum this season. He should be a weekly starter. He's got linebacker one upside though. And he got 126 tackles last season. Yeah. This young Miami team every year is starting to look a little better and a little better. You know, now that they have Tua involved, they got Jerome Baker, you know, I, and God, like their deep, their corners are two of the best in the league now. Like, this defense is becoming very young and very scary. Good mix of veteran quality and young talent, and I think Jerome Baker is going to benefit from that the most. He's got Van Noy lining up beside him now, who's going to be a great edge-rushing presence beside him. It'll make his life a little easier. He's got Raekwon right beside him. It's going to make his life a lot easier. I can't see him not having another career year going into this year. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think he'll at minimum put up those numbers again, but I'm not kidding when I think that Baker could be the type of guy who breaks 150 tackles. Oh, yeah, easily. 
Easily. Uh, let's uh, let's segue a bit. We're gonna get a little older here. We're gonna talk about AJ Johnson, the middle linebacker for <laughs> the Broncos. This guy's had a hard time getting to the NFL for sure. He was a projected third round pick in the 2015 draft. Uh, and right before, uh, he was hit with a sexual assault case while he was still in college. Uh, the case got thrown out finally, and in 2018, AJ Johnson made it to the NFL and signed with the Denver Broncos at the age of 27. Johnson put up linebacker two-type numbers after taking over the starting job in week five and just never looked back. He has solidified himself as the number one linebacker on the team, and even at the age of 28, has plenty more tank, plenty more left in the tank. Johnson looks to be a linebacker two, maybe three, to start the season, and you should continue to stock him up in leagues that he's available because I can promise you that he is on your wire. Yeah, I love him as a pickup because, you know, people think that, like, Von Miller um, and Bradley Chubb are, like, the right choices in Denver, but, you know, they're outside linebackers, and anytime I see somebody take an outside linebacker early, I instantly think scrub. Uh, you know, no offense to anybody who does that, but like I'd ra- I'd much rather own AJ Johnson, who I could get off the waivers, than Von Miller or Bradley Chubb, like any day of the week. You know what I mean? And you know, he came in after week five and racked up ninety three tackles in what eleven week span, basically. Like, come on, man. That's I love that. That's all I can ask for, man. Uh, that's something I'm looking for. Yeah, he looked dominant in the middle of the field, and he really made a difference to I think a struggling Broncos defense last year. And they still have a lot of questions in that Broncos defense. Like who's going to replace Chris Harris, you know, and can Von Miller and Bradley Chubb stay healthy for a full season? So, I mean, curious to know, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting situation. Denver's team in general is one of those teams. I have no idea where they're going to finish. Um, they really are going to be all over the map, to say the least. Uh, as far as another guy who gets overshadowed a lot by his linebacker counterparts, uh, big fan of this guy uh, as a Bills fan, as you guys know. Uh, but I think this guy doesn't get enough love, so I'd love to give him a shout-out right now. And that guy is Matthew Milano. Um he is often overshadowed by Tremaine Edmonds, uh, but he's quietly become one of the best cover linebackers in the entire league, actually. Like, not even from a tackle standpoint. This guy is great in open space and great at taking away coverage from big tight end targets and other things like that, which are a pain in the ass. Uh, he was a two-year starter at Boston College, where he seemingly never left the field. And the same holds true now that he's in Buffalo, man. Outside of a handful of injuries, Milano has been on-the-field contributor. Uh, that seems to be getting better with each snap he plays he was selected in the fifth round of the 2017 draft and many believed he didn't have the size to make it into today's nfl but clearly they were wrong uh he should be a linebacker too at minimum in my opinion as long as he stays healthy and he broke 100 tackles last season for the first time in his career yeah you know you're, first let's start it off i gotta acknowledge kyle is sucking at <laughs> players dick. just put it out there granted now though, that- come on man like yeah, no, no, no. You gotta let me finish. Now that it's out there, we can continue. We'll act like Kyle isn't a Bills fan because it actually is a really good pick. I think that uh, Tremaine Evans gets a lot of the love in that Bills team, but Milano is, I think, the glue that holds that linebacking core together. Agreed. 
Because I think Tremaine Edmonds is still so young and still so raw, and he still has so many flaws to his game, that because Milano is there with a healthy, when he is healthy, with a healthy physical presence right beside him, that it helps to cover up any issues that Edmonds may have. I think that he can do really, really well. And if he develops into a linebacker one beside already established linebacker one Tremaine Edmonds, you could be looking at not only the best duo in the league, but the best duo in fantasy. And I might even stack those guys in a league. Sounds a little dumb, but hey, if those guys start popping off, I want both of them as badly as I can get them. Yeah, right? I actually, I don't hate the linebacker stack like I would a wide receiver stack. Like if you have a healthy LVE or Leighton Vanderesk and a healthy Jalen Smith, that's a great stack. I wouldn't complain about that. You have two top 15 linebackers. And Milano definitely has potential to crack top 20 this season as long as he stays on the field. Uh, as you mentioned about Tremaine Edmonds, he definitely has some flaws to his game. But Tremaine is a great tackler. And I think that's why they're such a great combo uh, is the fact that Milano is so good in coverage and Tremaine can kind of just go out there and just kill people. Cause he's a fucking shit uh, brick shit house, man. Like Tremaine is built like a fucking tank and Milano's a lot more lengthy and much more fluid in his motion. I, I love the combo of them. And I think there's some great combos that are building here um, as far as the linebacker units in general, from the ones we've talked about today, like Jerome Baker, Van Noy and McMillan, um, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, Shaq Thompson and nobody, uh, and then A.J. Johnson and Bradley <laughs> Chubb and Von Miller. So, you know, besides Shaq, everybody else has got some good players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically a big F you to Shaq, right? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so when we come back, we are going to talk my least favorite position in football. That's DBs, the prima donnas of the NFL, the guys who always seem to find themselves in some sort of trouble. So make sure you stick around. All right, we are back. Let's just jump into it. We are here to talk DBs, the 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 females of the NFL. No <laughs> offense to females, but these are the guys who everybody just hates because they're so you know I'm the best. I'm the best. Suck my dick. I'm the best. And, uh, you know, I, I think the last two weeks have been a good example of that. First with the whole Earl Thomas thing that happened with his brother. And now uh, Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker being arrested after mo- multiple witnesses accused them of armed robbery at a party. To be like, fair, I think what's it called is, is free now. Quentin Dunbar is fine. It's just oh, DeAndre okay. Baker. They... Yeah, that's fine. Just the former first overall <laughs> pick or the, like the first round pick or whatever. Yeah, no, the 22-year-old, right, who's making a couple mil a year. Yeah. But well, like, I'm happy I... for Dunbar because he's a pretty good player. Baker was already a bust as far as last season went. He had a horrible rookie season, so I'm not surprised. I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, do any judgment because I feel bad. Like, obviously, the situation sucks, and maybe the NFL players are just getting bored, to say the least, because this morning just broke, too. Uh, that wide receiver um, Cody Lattimore has been arrested this morning and booked with assault uh, with assault charges, armed arm, like, oh my, Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Like man, you want you want to know how you know it's an NFL player committing these crimes? Listen, listen to what the police report says about the incident with DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar. So police said that four men that fled the house in three vehicles. Do you want to guess what vehicles they were, Kyle? 
Something crazy. <laughs> a Mercedes Benz, a Lamborghini, and a BMW. Yeah, that that's up. <laughs> Could you imagine pulling up to a party, flashing all this cash, and then swiping a bunch of Rolexes from the host? Man, you're an ass. Uh, you're an ass. But you know, let's just jump into it. Maybe we'll talk about some guys who aren't head cases, but I doubt that's the case. So, Kyle, why don't you get us started? Yeah, I'm going to get started with maybe my favorite defensive back in the league, Taylor Rapp, uh, the Rams safety, one of the best young players in the league. This is not a head case. This is a stand-up guy. Uh, you can get him very, uh, fairly late still uh, just because he's not like a huge name yet, uh, depending on your league, though, because I uh, we have some talented uh, members who we play with, and they definitely know about this guy. Um, he's six feet tall, 208 pounds, man. He uh, turned pro after making 35 starts in three seasons as a Husky, earning twice uh, first-team All-Pac-12. He's just a beast, man. Uh, In college, he only had 12 missed tackles his entire career with a 93% tackle ratio, which is just insanity. He figures to enter the season as a safety, too, maybe just because John Johnson might take a little away from him. Um, But if they play good together, I think he's still – a safety one. I think they both might be safety ones this season. Yeah, you know what? The sky, like I keep saying it, but the sky is really the limit for John Johnson and Taylor Rapp. I think they are the perfect foil to each other. John Johnson is great in coverage. Taylor Rapp will just punish you with great form tackling. Like, really great form Yeah, tackling. he's one of the premier tacklers at the position, uh, hands down. And at 22 years old. It's just insanity in my mind. Yeah, like I don't think this guy is going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's incredible. Let's keep it with the young guys, though. I'm going to talk about um, one of my guys I love to death, and that's Jordan Whitehead, safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love this kid so much. He's only 23 and has potential star written all over him, in my opinion. When he's healthy and on the field, Whitehead racks up tackles in the Tampa Bay defensive back core that was just terrible in 2019. He doesn't have big name value like Minka or Jamal Adams yet, but he is my favorite sleeper pick in IDP formats. He starts the season as a sleeper. Okay. A sleeper safety three, but if he stays on the field on a revamped Bucks team, he could easily become a starter on your IDP lineup. Yeah, I like Whitehead as a nice pick if I'm going after like my third linebacker just to give him time, just in case things change. Um, you never know with some of these young guys. I'd prefer to get a secure talent, at least my my number one safety spot. But at two, I think this is a great guy to pick up. He's only 23, as Luke mentioned. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, defensive back core was just a mess last year. Uh, they brought in some new health at, uh, help at the draft. I'm blanking on his name, Luke. Do you know his name offhand? Um, oh, um, he's a good player. Uh, oh Anthony, Anthony Mick. Farland. Yes, a great player. Should be a nice combo with him. Um, We'll see what happens. The Bucs are definitely becoming quickly becoming one of the most interesting teams because I think they could either be like a one in 15 team or like, you know, 15 and 0 or something like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like, or like 10 to six or they're just, I have no idea what to tell you about this team. Yeah, it is a super complex, interesting situation. I don't think McFarland's going to eat up too much into Whitehead's uh, playtime. 
But uh, it's going to be super interesting to see where this Tampa Bay team goes. I think it's really easy to hate them right off the gate just because everybody hates Brady. I honestly started to like the Patriots more after Brady left. So I think it's uh, I think there's like some sort of correlation there, if I'm being honest with you. But uh, yeah, super high on Whitehead. Bye, bye, bye if you can. Guy's dirt cheap, and he really will give you some depth, and eventually he will be a starter on your team. Agreed. Uh, another guy that we're going to talk about right now, this is a guy you could plug in as your starter basically instantly, uh, and that's Jabril Peppers. Uh, I feel like a lot of people hate on Jabril, but I'm willing to give the guy a little love right now. I know as somebody who was from the same realm of the woods as Jabril Peppers, there's a reason for a lot of the hate on the guy because I know a lot of people do not like him from around this area who grew up with the guy. Uh, But the addition of McKinney to the Big Blues defense, I think is such a great combo to go with Jabril Peppers. Uh, I think the two of them are going to be there uh, in uh, the Giants system for a long time to come. And I think they enter this season as one of the better safety duos in the league, actually, which people might think I'm crazy for that. Um, despite entering his fourth season, Jabril's only 24 years old somehow. Um, it just seems insane that he's still that young. Uh, and he remains a great buy in dynasty formats and he can be gotten well after the top 10 of the position go, uh, despite the fact that he could finish top 10 this season. Oh, shocking. Another head case at DB. (laughs) He is a head case. (laughs) Shocker about that one. Um, yeah, you know, as long as he stays on the field to his credit, he is a, great player he has had some health issues in 2017 and 2019 only playing 13 games in his rookie season and 11 this season but I do think that he does have huge upside I think that he tackles well he's a great ball hawk Uh, I think people written him off as a bust way too soon I do think this guy's got talent and I think he's going to succeed in New York for a long time only thing sucks though is he's probably going to be around your neck of the woods Kyle for a long time (laughs) He seems uh, destined to stay in this area. Well, it's important to note too, you mentioned his health, but like the reason why I'd love to buy your bill right now, you know, he had 76 tackles last year, but he only played 11 games before that. His high for tackles was 79 where he played a full season. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's clear that he's, he's still maturing even as exactly. He almost matched his numbers while missing five games is essentially what I'm trying to say. Like, so if he had a full 16 games, it wouldn't have shocked me if he broke a hundred tackles last season. Yeah, exactly. The only thing that sucks about him is that he, uh, he's not much of a ball hawking. safety. No, great. He's a great, he's a great tackling safety, but you know, he plays strong safety for the most part. So I guess that makes sense. Uh, with, uh, with McKinney coming in, he's probably going to be a more of a ball hawking guy. And Jabril will be there to clean up any messes that McKinney doesn't uh, get a hold of himself. But uh, I guess let's end this off on probably the most reliable safety in the league and in IDP format right now. I think he's the best. (laughs) Maybe not yet, but I think he's getting there. But go. (laughs) If uh, if you didn't get it from there, Kyle's pants just grew three inches inches this day. Um, But yeah, so that's Jesse Bates, uh, safety for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, talk about a kid who took every opportunity to given to him and just ran with it. In two seasons since entering the league, Bates has posted back-to-back 100-tackle seasons and exactly three picks in each season as well. He's only 23. He's six foot, 200 pounds. He displays the physical attributes needed for a safety to succeed, and he's got explosive speed to keep up with tight ends with a 4.540 time. With Bates prowling the field for the Bengals, he's a super easy safety one. 
And if should never be sitting on your bench unless it's a bye week. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Bates, as Luke knows all too well. There are only two safeties in the entire league I'd take above him, and that's Jamal Adams and, oh, my God, the Chargers guy. I don't know why I keep blanking on his name. Derwin James. James. Oh, my God. Dude, that is like the second time in as many days that I cannot remember his name. It's because he missed all of last year, but he's still one of the best in the league. Um, But, yeah, I, I would only take those two guys above Jesse Bates, in my opinion, just because of his age and the total package he brings and the fact that he's already proven that he can have back-to-back 100 tackle seasons at such a young age. I think you get the full package with this kid. I love the combo. Uh, you know, you could hate Cincy all the, all you want, but between him and Hubbard, you got two rising stars on that defense. Yeah, 100%. I think that Cincinnati's starting to form a defense, which is interesting because they've never really had a defense since their last playoff run. Um, so this is going to be super interesting. I really like Jesse Bates. I think he's easy lock for another 100-plus tackles next mm-hmm. season. And uh, who knows? Maybe he'll have four interceptions on the season. Ah, that would be nice. (laughs) All right. So we just talked the head cases of the NFL. When we come back, me and Kyle are just going to discuss our favorite players that we're drafting in IDP this year and why. So make sure you stick around. Okay, we're back. Let's just jump into it. We're talking favorite players to take this year. Kyle, why don't you get us started? Who's one of the guys in IDP that you're just targeting over and over again as much as possible? Yeah, so for my first guy, this is actually funny because I had zero shares of this guy entering into this season, and now I think I have seven. Uh, So it just kind of turned up like that. And I think I realized this offseason the importance of the defensive tackle position even more. You know, I always valued it, but I – I guess I did a lot of D tackle premium leagues this year too. So that double combination made me really want to get somebody early who was good at the position. And that's DeForest Buckner. Um, I love DeForest Buckner. He's easily top three at the position. Uh, It's him, Chris Jones uh, and Aaron Donald, as we already mentioned on the show earlier, that are really the premier guys at the position. But I personally like DeForest the most of the three of them because I like his new situation. The Colts are a, Good fit for him, honestly, at the end of the day. Uh, I think Frank Wright is a very underrated coach in the NFL right now. And I think that uh, him to be combined with Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker, who are one of the underrated linebacker duos in the league, will just be a blast to watch. I can't wait to see what this guy does. I suggest taking a defensive tackle early if you have them. Yeah, and don't forget, too, that Justin Houston is still on that team prowling the – prowling the edge Justin Houston is like uh sacks he's like the Frank Gore of fucking line of uh defensive ends man <laughs> he just doesn't go away <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I love Buckner as well I think Buckner is the uh he's the perfect combination of run stuffing and pass rushing I think if Aaron Donald wasn't in the league right now DeForest Buckner would be getting all the hype that Aaron Donald is getting uh, and I really like Buckner. I think it was good that he left San Fran. I think he'll do better with the Colts. Uh, the San Fran de- like defensive line room was starting to get a little crowded. Mm-hmm. So I think this is good for Buckner. And uh, I think he's going to succeed in his new role. 100%. No doubt about it. Great. Um, so my next player I kind of want to highlight is uh, Blake Martinez. 
he's a guy I've been drafting in a lot of leagues, not because he's a good linebacker. Let me make it clear. He's not a good linebacker. He's average at best. But what he is, is the best goddamn tackling middle linebacker in the entire league. Granted, you could say that because he's the worst in coverage, so he's just so many passes are being completed in front of him. How is he not going to make a tackle? But I think he's incredible at what he does. And he hits hard and just racks up tackle after tackle after tackle. So I think that going forward, Blake Martinez is a guy you want to target because he's going to put up points after points after points. But just don't brag about him being the best linebacker in the NFL because he never will be. Yeah, he's the type of guy that... Not that good in fan, uh, in real life equates to being very good in fantasy. And let's be frank. He's a great tackler. He's a great run stuffer. But in coverage, Blake Martinez is about as useful as a dead fish. Uh, <laughs> it just gets annihilated in coverage. And I think that's essentially why Green Bay didn't re-sign the guy. Uh, because, you know, they don't really need him, honestly. Maybe they feel comfortable with Rashawn Gary. Hopefully he can take a next step forward this season. I know he had an extremely disappointing first season, so I would like to see him maybe do something in a similar role. But I think Blake Martinez, I mean, I, even though it's a new home, I think he instantly does exactly what he always does. You know what you're getting with Blake. Let's just say that. Yeah, honestly, when I'm talking uh, Blake Martinez, I don't know why, though, Green Bay let him walk. Because they let him walk, and then they didn't draft Patrick Queen or Jordan Brooks or any other middle linebacker that was in the draft, Kenneth Murray. Like they signed uh, Kursky, though, right? Didn't they? Yeah, but like I'd He's still not take that Blake. Good, though. I... I'd still take Blake Martinez over Kursky. Granted, he was probably more expensive, but still, it is interesting to note, though, as we talk about Blake Martinez. Since 2017, he leads the league in tackles, and not even close. Yeah, he's definitely uh, premier as far as tackling machines go. Uh, for this next guy, I want to talk about this is the type of guy you can get for way cheaper than you, you uh, than he probably should be available, and that's because of injuries in the past, and that's Leighton Vanderesk. Uh, in my opinion, Leighton Vanderesk, when healthy, is the top five linebacker in the league, uh, and that's from a fantasy standpoint and a real-life standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, this is the type of guy that can literally do it all, and he's a psycho. Like, he's literally Thad Castle uh, in real life. Like, and I know Luke's going to mention about his shoulder pads, but there's a correlation between you being crazy and your shoulder pads. Right, Luke? Oh, easily. It's not the shoulder pads. It's the neck plate. It's the neck plate. That's what it is. Only only head cases on the field wear that neck plate because they just just dummy you and they need to protect themselves a little bit. I think he looks intimidating as fuck on the field. Yes, he does. If I went to high school with the kid and had to go up against him in an Oklahoma drill, I probably would have crapped my pants. (laughs) No, like no question about it. The kid is insane. His coverage is awesome. His tackling is incredible. He plays the strong side of the field super well. Hell, I love the kid. If he can stay healthy, like he's one of my top choices. Yeah, agreed. All right, and then let's just just talk about this last guy. This last guy is a guy who always gets slept on at the middle linebacker position, but he's actually had a bunch of solid seasons, not only in IDP format, but in the NFL itself. That's Joe Schobert, linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, just signed with them recently. You know, I think when you talk about Martinez being a perfect tackler, I think Joe Schobert is an amazing tackler as well, but he's also great in coverage. He's spectacular in coverage. He had one game last season with two picks. I think it was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
like and racked up like 50 something points in IDP format. I think the guy is incredible. I think he gets slept on way too much. I think going to Jacksonville and pay, pairing him with Miles Jack was the best thing that could have happened to him. And I think the two of them are just going to explode together. Yeah, I like his fit in Jacksonville a lot. I know last year was an experimental year with the Jaguars. They try to play Miles Jack in the middle, but he was really never supposed to play in the middle. He's more of a weak side guy. And I think now that um now that Schobert's there who lives in the middle, uh, he basically doesn't leave it. Miles Jack can kind of slot where he needs to be uh, again. And I think, you know, this signing shows that Telvin Smith isn't coming back. And then, you know, him getting arrested for being a pedophile further solidified that. Um, it's something about something's in the air right now because NFL players are getting booked left, right, and center. Uh, it's insanity right now. Um, but yeah, Schobert. Again, like with both your picks, I just feel like those are great guys because you can still get them for like um, without like overtaking them in drafts. Um, and you know what you're getting. Like they're locks for 100 tackles. Yeah, yeah. And just on the Tovin Smith uh, thing, just one point, is he it took a year off the NFL to find himself and to fix uh, all the stuff that was going on in his life. Great fucking job, man. You did it. You did it well. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. All right, well, when we come back, we've got some closing remarks, so make sure you stick around. Okay, and we are back. I know that uh, both Kyle and I have been super excited to talk IDP format. I honestly think it's the only way to play Dynasty football, so I'm really glad we got the ability to talk about it. I'm super pumped about it, and I hope everybody took away something from it. Kyle, you got anything to say? Uh, nothing really uh, big to add. Just we did bring a guest on this episode because we're going to start team breakdowns uh, for the next episode, which is going to be very exciting. I know we had mentioned it multiple times, but we are very much looking forward to this. We're basically going to go over every team in the NFL, probably division by division. We're going to decide over the next day or two exactly how we're going to tackle it uh, and basically bring you all the latest news on that team who are the players to own uh, in fantasy on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, and just really give you a rundown of the team and then bring on a fan of that team and attack them on their team. Exactly. I cannot wait to have an excuse just to crap on over <laughs> every single team, especially New York-based teams. Oh, this is going to be a fun time. Yeah, we might have to start with the Giants and then other things like that just because we know a lot of passionate fans, and I think it could be a lot of fun. But we'll let you know, obviously, with the next episode uh, when we decide on what team it's going to be. Exactly. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Make sure you stick around. Follow us on all of our social medias at Dynasty Pods, and we will see you guys later. Thanks, guys.